Welcome to Thrive and good evening um, to everyone. I want to apologize ahead um, for my connectivity. Uh, if anything, if I freeze or anything, it's my connectivity, not yours. But um, sorting that out, let's just give thanks to the Lord for bringing us all together again and for this season of PPP. We want to just bow down our heads and pray as we enter this service. Spirit of God, God the Father, our God, our Savior, the only God we know, the only God we have. We've come into your presence this evening to learn from you, to take direction from your word. We ask that as we open our hearts and open all our gates to listen to you, that your spirit will be the one speaking and that you give us clear direction about our lives so that your name can be glorified. In Jesus' amazing name, we have prayed. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, it's exciting to be here again. Thank God for the PPP season. We trust God that he will do what only he can do in our lives, in our church, God's favorite house, and in this service, in the name of Jesus this is Thrive, is our midweek worship experience brought to you by God's Favorite House, if you're here for the very first time. Um, and even though this is an online service only, on Sundays we have two physical services as well. So if you come to church on, on Sunday, we welcome you properly. For now, just manage our high from a distance. Welcome to church. We're now in James chapter four, verses 13 to 17. James chapter 4 verses um, 13 to 17. And I'm going to be reading today um, from the NKJV version. Before we jump into the scripture, um, we've been studying the book of James for a while and we just want to thank all our teachers that have come here and brought the depth of the, of the word of God to us. Thank you very much. God bless you. Um, so with that, we're going to James 4, and, and I'll read, NKJV version. The Bible says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Verse 15, indeed, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall leave and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Verse 17, therefore to him who knows to do good 
and does not do it, to him it is sin. To him who knows to do good but does not do it, to him it is sin. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word in the mighty name of Jesus. This scripture reminded me of the rich fool in the book of Luke, very similar, similar lessons is teaching us. And um, as I read it, I mean, there were four questions that immediately came to my mind. Because when you, I mean, when we all read scripture, we want to put ourselves in that context to see what they're doing wrong or what they're doing right so that we don't do the same thing. And I'm like, what did these people do wrong? They were planning, but the Bible says we should plan. They were speaking out about their vision, but that's what we do when we vision board. That's what Habakkuk 2.2 tells us to do. So what did these people do wrong? Why was James talking to them in this way? What are we supposed to learn from them? To understand personally, and I'll share with you, I had to ask myself four questions. I'll read those four questions out. The first thing I asked for my, myself after reading this scripture is, does God want us to be successful? Does God want us to think big? Does he really want us to achieve big things? If, for instance, we were all traders, would he, ex would he expect us to dream to be international traders? Does God want that? The second question, I mean, still in the first question, does he want us to aspire to be great and to be global? Does God want that? Question one. Question two I asked myself was, can we be successful without planning? Does God actually expect us to have a plan? Question three that I asked myself to understand what was happening in this um, scripture is, I certainly do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. So why do we plan for tomorrow? The fourth question I asked myself, and, and answers to those questions will, will help us you know, get to the end of, the, of this teaching today. The fourth question is, if we follow these instructions that James gave us to the letter, if we say, if God wills it, or by God's grace, at the end of every plan we, we have, or at the end of every sentence that talks about future, would we have fulfilled the law? Is this all that is expected from us? And the converse also, if we don't say it, does that mean that we're doing something wrong? Because for me, I had to understand the answers to all these questions to be able to get the spirit of what James was saying. Because if we don't, let's just go into it. <laughs> In question one, I'm going to attempt to answer question one. And um, in answering question one, I'm going to use another scripture to explain this as I understood it. Um, if you have questions in the um, chat box, in the chat room, in the comment sections, please you know, ask this question. And hopefully at the end, we'll be able to come together and answer it together. So question one, because I needed to answer this for myself. Does God want us to be successful? Does he want us to think big? 
Does he want us to have big ambition? Does he want us to think global? And to answer that question, um, the answer to that question came to me from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30 in the message translation. It's a very familiar set of scripture, but I reading it in message translation saw something that I might not have um, probably noticed before. And that for me was my answer to question one. Does God want us to be great? Does he want us to be successful? To be honest, before we even go into this, everything we've been taught in the past five weeks speaks to this. Everything we've been taught in gold and silver should let you know that God wants you to be successful because of the kingdom. But let's just go into the scripture in Matthew 25, 14 to 13 quickly. Um, message translation, let's bring it up. This story is about investment. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000, to another, $2,000, and to a third, $1,000, depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the third with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long silence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given 5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. The master commended him, good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The second with the 2,000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. The master commended him, good work. He, he, good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant giving 1,000 said, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to leave. It's criminal to leave cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe, who won't go out on a limb, throw him into the utter darkness. That won't be a story in the mighty name of Jesus. This scripture, when you read it, there's no point in, well, this parable, when you read it from the scripture, there's no point in time where, the, where we see, we read that the master says, go and invest that money and make double. The only reason why the first two servants did that was because they knew, actually all three of them knew the God they served. The God that wants you to think big the God that wants you not to play it safe. So if this is our God, it is clear, going tying this back to James 14, it is clear that what these people did wrong was not planning to go to cities to sell or to be extremely successful. It couldn't have been. Because when we see God from this scripture in Matthew and all other scripture that is real about God, we see that he always wants us to 
think big and do big things. So if this, is, this isn't what they did wrong, what did these people do wrong so that we don't do the same thing? What did they do wrong? Um, before I leave that point, God wants us to be extremely successful. We know that. We know that when he was talking to Joshua, he said, you'll be successful in all your ways. We know, we know that according to the scripture, Deuteronomy 39, it says your Lord, your God, will make you successful in everything you do. Um, so with this scripture, we know that clearly God wants us to be successful. We've landed that point. So my conclusion is that we always have to think big. Therefore, what they did wrong wasn't the thinking big action part of it. So the two questions we raised earlier, remember I asked myself four questions. We've dealt with question one. God definitely wants us to think big. Questions two and three, let's join them together. Was it because they were planning for the future? Was it because when we like them were mere mortals and they were talking about what will happen in the future with confidence? Was that what they did wrong? Because when we remember that um, parable of the rich man, I believe in Luke 12, he also was talking about the future. Was that wrong? Is that wrong? Does God, does God expect us to plan? Does he expect us to plan for the future? Let's go into the scripture. Let's try and answer that question from the scripture. Many Bible verses, I'm not going to read all of them, but we'll just note them for, the, for later on because we'll talk about them again. What is God's posture about planning for tomorrow? What does he expect us to do about planning for tomorrow? In Proverbs 6, 6 to 8, the Bible says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Clearly, the, the ant was planning ahead, and God was telling us to learn from the ant. So let's read some other scripture. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty only comes to poverty. Luke 14, 28 says, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether it has enough to complete it? Psalm 139 verse 16, this is talking about God himself when he was creating us. Scripture says, you saw, you, you saw, who, you, you saw who you created to be me to be before I became me. Before I'd even seen the light of day, the number of my days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Isaiah 46, 10, scripture says about God that from the beginning, I revealed the end. From long ago, I told you things that had not yet happened, saying my plan will stand and I'll do everything I intended to do. Therefore, if this is God saying all these things. The problem with these people, what they were doing wrong, wasn't about planning for the future. It wasn't because they were, they were talking or visioning what would happen in the future. Because the God that created us 
that knows the name of everyone that he created, even the names of the stars that are more than human beings. That God that plans the end from the beginning, that gave Jesus to die for me before I was born, plans into the future and expects us to plan into the future. So again, that is not what they did wrong. So what was the problem? What did these people do wrong? Why was James talking to the, them this way, talking to us this way? Because now we know God wants us to be successful from his word, extremely successful. Now we know that God wants us to plan into the future. So what did they do wrong? The problem wasn't because they were driven, ambitious, wanting to be successful people. The problem was who they attributed their success to. That's the first point I'd like to make. We say this because in Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, and I'll quickly read that out. Scripture says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in, in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Like it's also in First Corinthians, something similar that if you are going to boast, make sure you are boasting in the Lord. So I believe, I propose to you, that one of, the, one of the things these people did wrong wasn't planning for the future, wasn't visioning for the future, wasn't trying to be successful, because God wants us to do all that. It was planning without giving glory to whom glory and honor was due to. The second thing I believe that went wrong here is that it's not because they had the plan, it's how they created that plan. It's how they created that plan. Now I'm just going to call out some scripture that I used to understand this. We might not have time to read it. Proverbs 16, nine, um, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. Proverbs 16, one, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So clearly, from this fourth scripture, we know that if we plan with God, if we commit all these future plans to him, and if we know that our success is attributable to him, we will not be in the category of the people that James has just spoken to. But I bet you knew that. I bet you already knew that. That's nothing new, because if you've been a believer for a very long time, everything I just said, Right now, you would have heard in one sermon of the, or the other. So the question I want us to ask ourselves this evening is, if we know this, why then do we fall sometimes into the category 
We don't even realize we're doing it. But how do, why do we fall into the category that James, of people that James is talking to tonight? Why do we sometimes make plans? And those plans don't have God in the center, that haven't been committed to God, forgetting that we're just vapor here today and not here tomorrow. Why do we do it? Since I can't hear you talk to me, I'm just going to suggest two or three reasons why we do that, looking at my life. So that, I mean, I'm going to use my example. And I pray that as I speak, the Holy Spirit, who knows you and your own situation, will take this word and multiply it in your heart so that it comes alive using your own scenarios. So why do we sometimes, without even knowing it, plan, think like this, act like this, act like these people, therefore putting ourselves at the risk that these people are putting themselves at because they're putting their lives at risk by acting this way. The first, like I said, looking at my own situation, is that I forget that God is more driven for success, more ambitious, more um, wanting me to succeed than even I can want myself to succeed. Sometimes I forget that, and I'm personalizing this now. It might be relevant to you. Because if you understood who God was, if I truly understood who God was, and I know that there is no way I can want success for myself more than God wants success for me, then I wouldn't be scared to put all my plans in the hands of God because I know that his answer will be better than what I can even come to. Joseph wasn't looking to be the prime minister of Egypt. He probably just wanted to be the um, spoiled second to the last um, preferred child who God will sometimes show dreams about his family too. He, he probably didn't have more ambition than that. He just wanted to be the, the most, the favorite child and fine boy in, the, in their area and hear from God, of course, and be a child of God. But God that wanted more success from, for Joseph than Joseph even himself knew about took him to a position where he wasn't only dreaming about himself, he was dreaming about the fate of a nation. He was planning the strategy for that nation. He was executing the strategy for that nation that fed almost the whole world in the time of famine. That wasn't Joseph's plan. He couldn't have even thought about it. Abraham wasn't thinking of being the father of all nations. Abraham wasn't thinking of having so much transgenerational wealth that today you and I are still enjoying Abraham's blessings. He just wanted to have maybe a child or some children with his babe of a wife, Sarah. He just wanted to maybe do good and have what to hand over, follow God, obey God, and have what to hand over to his children. But the God that does more than you can even think or imagine concerning your life, concerning my life, took him to places where he could never even thought he would get to. Gideon 
In the past two days of the prayer, Papi talked about Gideon, RP talked about Gideon, Pastor Moralake talked about Gideon. Gideon probably, if you think about his ambition, all he probably wanted to do was to be able to do his hustle, trash his wheat without fear, make money without hiding in the cave. But God, who is more ambitious for you than you are for yourself, took him to where he could never have been. I mean, even the name Mighty Man of Valor, from where? Anyway, long story to come back to the point that if I at every time realize that God wants better for me than I want for myself, that he wants me to succeed much more than I can even think of what success means, then I would entrust my entire plans into the hands of the Lord and not fall into this, the danger that this scripture is talking about. That's point one. The second thing I thought about, remember now we've gotten to the section that we're answering the question, if we know that God wants us to do good and he wants us to plan, why then don't we commit our plans unto the Lord all the time? We do it most of the time, but why don't we do it all the time? The second reason sometimes is that I don't know how to. I, I, I know that I'm supposed to commit a plan to God, but I'm not quite sure how to. What am I trying to say? I, I'm trying to find out what I'm supposed to do about a situation. And um, I haven't heard from God audibly. He hasn't probably, he's quiet about that matter. He probably hasn't spoken to me in a dream. He hasn't, you know, spoken to me, period. What do I do? What do you do? Do you stay rooted in fear because you don't want to make a mistake and, and you honestly, your heart really wants to commit the, the plans to God? Do you, do you just stay and do nothing? Because if you tell me the answer to that is yes, I'll take you back to Matthew 25 that we, we started the the, the um, session with, because I say to you for the first time reading it in message version, I really realized that it could be one of the reasons that um, servant that was given $1,000, according to message translation, one of the reasons why he didn't move in faith was because he was trying to be safe. It might not, if we take the literal meaning, not the metaphorical that Jesus was talking about, if we take the literal meaning, it might not be that he was lazy. He might just, okay, maybe he was a little lazy. But on top of that, maybe he was trying to keep it safe. Back to the point I was trying to make. Do you stay and wait until the next PPP or God will do it again service to hear the word from the pulpit before you move? Or do you take your plan? Take it to God. Align it with what God has said about your life and about the mountain he has um, put you against. Do you, do you match it against what we know God expects us to do by his word? And on the basis of that, move forward. I don't know. I'm just saying to you the reason why sometimes I stay rooted Rooted is positive. I'm trying to say something negative. So, sometimes 
why it looks as if I don't commit 100% of my plans to God. Sometimes it's that I don't know what to do. I don't know whether I should move forward if I'm making a mistake or stay still. I'm going to ask Papi this question when it comes on, but I suspect that what, according to the scripture, that even if you want to do something and you are not sure because you haven't heard, especially for those that hear God audibly, sometimes you might get to a point where, you know, you're like, oh, I haven't heard God. Therefore, it means God is not speaking. Maybe, maybe I can suggest to you that maybe God is expecting you to get up and read what he has already written in his word. Use that to get what your plan is. Is your plan is, is, is your plan in alignment with that? And God is actually expecting you to get up and move forward, trusting that you are going along his will, but 100% ready to change all that plan, 100, do a 360 degree and abandon that plan if you hear him say so. Long explanation, but I'll summarize it. I'll summarize it as the reason, the second reason why I have sometimes not completely given my, committed my plan to God is that I'm just learning how to 100%. And learning how to 100% includes sometimes launching out trusting God aligning your plan to his word, but being flexible enough to change that plan if for some reason it says, don't go that way. I believe if these people had that kind of heart, James would not be having this conversation with them. The third reason, read, now it's reading from the scripture. This is not about my life personally. But the third reason, it would seem that listening from, to what James said, it would seem that some of this, some people do not attribute all their efforts and their successes to God. They actually think they are the ones that achieved it themselves. They actually think that somehow their wisdom or their connection or the school they went to or whatever it is that they think they have is how they got to their success which is why he was saying to them, you are like vapor, here today, not there tomorrow. All, all such boasting is evil. And to those people, God forbid there's anybody here that believes that they're self-made or it is by their wisdom that they have done anything that they, they, they are doing, that they're successful. I just want to um, lead us to Job 14. I'm going to read some of the verses in Job 14, which sobers me up every time I read it. It says, a person who is born of a woman is short-lived and is full of trouble. It comes up like a flower, then withers. It's like a fleeting shadow. It doesn't stay long. Look away from him. If God looks away from him, the scripture is saying, that person will cease to be. Meanwhile, he loves life as a laborer loves work. There is hope for a tree when it is cut down, it will sprout again. Let me jump forward to the, to the end. Merely a scent of water will make it sprout again. Job is saying there, in the book of Job is telling us here that a tree is even better than a human being from the perspective of the fact that our lives are so transient. 
There is no glory to, that can ever or should ever be attributed to us for any success we have. All glory must go to the creator of the universe, the one that planned the end from the beginning, the one that wrote out all the days of your life even before you got there, the one that is orchestrating situations so that you can be in circumstances that you will be able to be a blessing to others. So if we complete an earlier thought, an earlier question, and we're getting towards the end now, I would say that this is not about saying by the grace of God or if God wills it. Again, this is not about just saying it. It is about leaving it out. It is about your heart saying it. The posture of your heart saying, this is my plan, if God wills it. And the end of that sentence is, if he does not, I will, I'm ready to change it 100%. That, I believe, is what James was trying to tell us. There's nothing wrong with saying it. But as you say it, your life and your actions had better be saying it. Because even though man leads, listens to spoken language and the ones that are wise amongst us add body language to it, and God listens to heart language. It's not audible, but he hears you. Where your heart is, he sees it. So it's not about just saying it. It's about living your life to demonstrate it. As we wait for um, Papi to join us, I just want to talk about verse 17. And we'll open for questions um, when Papi joins us, because I have many questions for, 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 from this um, scripture myself. Verse 17 says, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. To him who knows how to do good, but does not do it, to him it is said. Clearly, James was talking about the foregoing, which we have finished talking about. We have just finished talking about. But I also believe he was saying more than that. I believe that there was both a literal and a figurative meaning behind what James was saying here. Um, and the literal is clear to, to all of us. Maybe it's not even figurative. Maybe it's just a deeper understanding. And I just want to say this. Permit me to say this. To say that the way the scripture is written, it, it um, suggests that there are many levels of revelation that exist. And your level might be more than my level, might be deeper than my level because of your level of consecration. Welcome, Papi, because of a level of consecration. <laughs> well, level of consecration or your relationship with God. So what is permissible to me might not be permissible to you. And I think that the scripture is saying that, that to him who knows how to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. All of us know the basics that are expected from us as believers. But there's some deeper level that God has taken some of us into. That to you, for you not to do it, it is sin. Even though I haven't gotten to that level. So it might not be counted to me as sin. 
um, the example that comes to me is actually not from the scripture. It's something that happened on social media not too long ago, not mentioning any names. These are, um, um, there was some drama about some ministers of, of, of um, music ministers. So a particular music minister had said something about the song of another music minister. And something that was meant to be for the kingdom had turned into what people that are not of the kingdom were judging case for and taking sides, even though it really wasn't their business, it was kingdom matter. And for me, my interpretation of what happened is that for one of the music ministers, because of the revelation that she has of God, because of the depth maybe, or the relationship or how God talks to her, some things for her are not permissible. There's some words she cannot call God in worship. It, doesn't, it didn't mean it was wrong. It just meant that because for her, she knows better, she cannot be allowed to say certain things. I'm speaking in code because obviously we're all believers. We, we don't want to be talking about ourselves. So I use that to end what we're learning. Let's learn from that example. None of them was wrong. It is just a matter of levels of depth in God. What to me I know will be counted against me if I do it. It might not be the same for you. Welcome, Paki. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I have plenty of questions and I just want to, you know, let you take a breath before I go into the questions. I don't know if there are any questions on online yet. I'm good. Let I mean, me know, let me know when to start. I'm good. Well done. I mean, um, um, good teaching. I, I I like the questions you use to engage the scripture. I mean, and it's it's, it's very enlightening um, um, as you as you went along. So well done. And Thank you, sir. And you are looking very beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay. I'm not I'm dark, but I'm blushing. <laughs> Thank you, Papi. <laughs> okay. There we go. Um, okay. So my first question, my first yeah. question to you as the questions are warming up from the, from the group. And, you know, I, I spoke about, you know, sometimes I get immobile when I'm trying to um, plan. I know that God wants us to plan. I know that he wants us to think big, dream big, do all that. And sometimes I get immobile because I haven't heard, because I'm actually waiting to hear, which is good, you know, for, you know, people that God speaks to that way. But sometimes God doesn't speak. He has given us the Bible because he expects us to go and take it use it if it aligns to his word use your brain and move so some but in an that's an area where i'm just developing so i want to ask you so um i i, I use some you know how rotary has the four-way test i use some guidelines to help me know if that decision is in the will of god so i believe that i know what mountain he wants me to possess so i say does this align with what God wants you to do for the kingdom? Question one. Okay, answer that question. Um, and I go... So, what, so the question would be what? So the question would be, does this plan, does this plan you have thought of, 
does it so okay so let me take a, a step back because I, I i saw that i went off there i was saying that when i get into those situations where i can't i'm stuck because i don't know right. what to do i haven't heard from okay. god uh-huh. i use you know how rotary has a four-way test right so i have a set of guidelines and i'm leading to the question now because i'm going to ask you for your guidelines so <laughs> i have a set of guidelines i use to get to the answer the first is does it align with the mountain god i believe god has put me to because all of us have our mountains and everything we do is for the kingdom so does it align um is there scripture that speaks for this decision and what is the scripture that speaks against because sometimes there's a situation that has it for and against um i'm also looking for does it allow me bless others is it going to make me why do i want this so let's say that it's something that would give wealth why do i want it what is the motive behind it does it align to the motive of the kingdom i'll stop here because i'm just learning partly it's not i'm not going to say this is um what i've done forever and ever i'm just learning um but this is something that i want to grow in in making better decisions so my question to you is when you get to that crossroad what are the things what do you think through um that helps you take a decision even if you haven't heard from god and you know that you won't be like these people that james was talking about okay right so um you know from scriptures that two main types of people you know when it comes to movement you have the horse and you have the mule you know um <laughs> you know we have the we have the horse we have the the, the mule we would see we, we can be tempted to think that it's it's better to be a horse or to be a mule but you see god is saying that we should not be the us nor the moon. So we should not be the us that needs to a beat around its mouth or the mule that needs to be, you know, flogged, you know, to move. But however, you need to know what your what your um propensity is, what's your natural bent, you know, is. You know, I know what my natural bent is. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, why are you laughing? <laughs> okay, what would you say it is? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I, I know what my natural bent is, you know, and so I don't struggle with the things that the, um, the, the moons struggle with, you know, I struggle with the things that the horses struggle with. I just want to get on it and keep, you know, <laughs> keep it going, you know. <laughs> you know, so, so my um that's that's the first place I, I start from. Like, okay, Femi, you know yourself. Are you is this you? Are you getting ahead of yourself? Are you am I am I am I allowing the Holy Spirit to take the lead. But like you said, sometimes we're in that place where we, we, we are not crystal clear 
if it is the Holy Spirit, you know, that's taking the lead, you know, or if it is that, you know, horsey tendency, you know, to drive things forward and, you know, and make a move, you know, and all that. Um, um, what a, a, a big check for me, since you talk about the checks, you know, for me is the, is the glory check, is the glory check. So whose glory are you seeking, you know? Um, is, is this for God's glory? Is, is, is this to the glory of God? Once I can resolve the glory test, I don't have five, six, seven. If <laughs> I have, <laughs> for, me, for me to want to move in that direction in the first place, it must have, it must have met certain, you know, certain criterias, you know? Yeah. You know, so, but for that move, I, I want to do things for the glory of God. So I want, I want it for the glory of God, you know, even if it is something that is, you know, change of environment, oh, should I um, uh, come home for Christmas or should I um, not come home for Christmas or whatever? I want the glory of God. I'm seeking the glory of God. I am seeking, you know, what, and once that is at the top of my um, checklist and, you know, and I'm able to resolve that, you know, and I still don't have a clear go, don't go, this and that, you know, I will just go because you will cost correct me. <laughs> you will cost correct me, you know, yes. because it yeah. sees my heart. Because he knows yeah. that, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to say the word in English. I don't know the interpretation. What does that mean? It appears for us. You are, you are not disrespecting him. You're not, exactly. Yeah, you're not disrespecting him. Exactly. I'm not dishonoring him. I'm not disrespecting yeah. him. I'm not doing it out yeah. of disdain. I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm doing it from the, from the integrity of my heart, from the sincerity of my heart. I'm, I'm in this crossroad. You know, and I make my move, and and he cost corrects. It would if 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 many times it's like uh, it should be you were sitting there waiting. Sit, you should have been sitting. Yes. <laughs> you should have been sitting and be waiting <laughs> and not move. You know, and 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 many times he is mm, 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 mm. Oh, yeah. Turn here, turn here. Oh, yeah, turn mm. here, turn here. Mm. So. It, it costs so, so many times it's cost correcting, you know. Hardly, hardly has he ever been in my recent experience, has he ever been a total shutdown, you know, maybe way, way, way back, you know, before I understood a lot of things, but hardly, you know, has he ever been a total shutdown? It just mm, okay, mm, okay, mm, okay, so it cost corrects, yeah. So I don't know if that helps. Or that it does. It does. It helped me. I, 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 and I, I'm sure it will help the people listening as well, because we all want to do right by God, you know, but just sometimes, you know. Um, let me go to my second question. My second question comes from, you know, that last part about deeper revelation. Have you come across scenarios where 
you can see a situation. You see, like me in my little corner, listen to the story of this gospel artist, music ministers, and said, ah, oh, both of them are right. It's just because one has a different kind of relationship with God. None is higher than the other. It's just different. Have you seen scenarios like that when um, someone, because of their, the way God is to them, their names, there's a way David could relate to God that some people are better not dare relate to God that way. It's just different. You know, so have you seen some people because of that, maybe they're like a David, now expect, I don't know, someone else to, to be bound by what they're bound by or something like that, or looks down on them or tries to hold them to the same um, standards? Every time, you know, and, and, um, and it's just immaturity, you know, um, in, for those, but I've seen more of people that don't understand the Davids that judge them. I've seen a few of those Davids look down on the others. You know, it's usually maturity and even lack of understanding from their side. But I've seen much more of people that don't understand the move of God in someone's life and what so God will, you know, allow someone else to do. And yeah. David will enter the temple and eat the food that is just mainly for priests. <laughs> and I don't see nothing. Nothing will happen. <laughs> you know, if anybody else tries it, you know, you know, and interestingly, somehow, I mean, God has been gracious, you know, with me, you know, that a lot of my my life is like that. In fact, one of my one of my pastor's friends said to me, a man of God, he said to me that. Uh, to Bafara, where the person <laughs> interpreted that to us. Can you help me? <laughs> Anyone that compares themselves to you or tries to be like you, yeah. To do what you are doing because you are doing, the person, will, the person will wreck their lives, you know? I mean, he said it to me and he said that he, can, he, he doesn't even bother anymore, you know? And, and those things look so natural to me. They look so, you know, like with God, with, with the way God deals with me, like, so, but over the years, the honest is not on you, is now on you not to expect everybody else. And also, it also brings some restrictions into your life. So there are certain things that, 100%. there are certain, there are certain places I just don't go. There are certain things I just don't do. I see other Christians do it, pastor friends do. I just don't do them. Why? Because it is off limits for me. Now, you could say they are not even seen, it's not even a scene to do that, 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 that. But for me, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm just gotten, not going to do it, you know? But the mistake, like you said, that is being made is that people now turn that into a doctrine. People now turn that into a doctrine. And let me give you an example. There's a lady that God said to her, you, when you are coming to my house, you recover your hair. You recover your head. God told her that, <laughs> and she, and she's like, ah, look, all these girls carrying fine, fine air. You know, everybody's coming to church with you know this nice air, this da 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 da. How <laughs> can she be the only one looking like S U? You know, but you know, initially she she, she was covering, but after a while. You know, she felt, ah, what is all this? So she stopped covering her 
God warned her. She argued that, hey, how come you're not saying anything about that person? How come you're not saying anything about that person? So one day, she went into church and an angel gave her a knock. <laughs> I can give her, she, she had, as in, boom, as in hot one. She ran out of church. People thought she was going to go crazy, you know? Everybody else were trying to do deliverance, but she knew what had happened. They were casting and binding, but she knew what had happened. She just asked them, please, anybody has Now, for such people to now make it a doctrine that if you want to not come into the presence of God, this is what God said. God said you have to cover your head. Do you understand? You know, it, it, it becomes, I mean, presumptuous. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, my last question, I mean, it will be a scenario because we want to learn from you, is there really are, as I'm talking, remembering Pastor, when Pastor Nina took James and was talking about self-made people. There really are people like that, that think that they're self-made. They actually attribute their own success to themselves. And it may be for people that haven't met Christ, that is their own level. You know, learning from what we just learned just now, different revelation for different people. But for people that are believers and or at least have heard the gospel and know what is expected of them and don't attribute glory to God. And I'm not talking about, some people say it too, but they don't really believe it. Because like some people say, um, let's say for instance, I'm going to Lagos tomorrow by God's grace. They don't really mean by God's grace. It's become a ritual. It's just habit. Yeah, it's a cliche because if God says don't go to Lagos tomorrow, they're not going to stay. So they're not really flexible to wait if God really plans it. That's the way some people say glory to God. They're not really giving glory to God. How do we keep our hearts in that positive way? What are the steps that we need to take on a daily to ensure, because James was speaking to believers, they knew Christ. How do we make sure we don't get fully to this trap and we stay on the straight and narrow, giving glory to God always? Amen. Um, okay, so basically you go on the podcast and listen to this teaching by Pastor me over and over and over again. <laughs> you know, as the first step because it, it, it shows that you don't have light in that area. It shows that you are working in darkness in that area. So you don't have light yet. So and to get light, this is the entrance of the world that brings light and gives understanding. So I actually mean what I said, that you need to hear this word over and over and over again until boom, you know, you're like, oh, wow. It's, it's second nature. 
And of course, similar teachings on, on God's glory. Now, God is not a God is not a glory. Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it is just due to him. Do you understand? You know, it's yes. he, he, not he's not trying to force us to, to do things because he's, he's, he's egocentric. No, he's deserving. Deserving. The, the 24 elders, when they fall on their faces and they say, holy, 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 they are not falling on their faces because someone is going to whack their head if they don't. They are falling on their faces because they, they have seen and they are like, ha! <laughs> so, so it is not, it is not a, you, you, don't, you don't force yourself to be humble so that you are giving glory to God. That's foolishness. It shows you don't have light. So to get light, you get into the word. You 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 get into the word. So if you, I don't want to say any other thing, so that it's not complicated. So if you just do that, and your eyes are opened, and you can see God for who He is, you can see <laughs> that <laughs> everything you have is. It's, it's not, it's literally from him. Even the, the breath that you breathe, this, yeah. this is literally, yeah. it's, it should, it's how gracious is it? I was speaking to someone that was, that was very um, um, special to me and, and I was telling the person that, oh, God provided um, um, this, I have this stand here. As I said to the person that God provided this for me, you know, this stand for me for my for my phone you know okay then the person was like confused the person was like was it a gift did somebody <laughs> give you i said no the person was like you bought it i said yes since you bought it with your money did somebody give you the money to buy it i said no <laughs> you bought it with the money from your pocket you know i said yes and the person was quiet you know, and now occur to me what has happened because I did say it to, to yeah, that everyone, yeah, but yeah. I, it's it actually God that provided it for me, you know, and, and, and I just acknowledged it that God provided this thing for me, you know. Many people think because they brought out the money from their pockets, they don't think it, they don't, the, the, the reality of God providing it does not hit them. Mm. When you have this light, the food you eat is God that made it digest too. Do you know that? Hallelujah. It is. He is the one. The one who, they say that there's a small difference, the small valve between the, the, the path that goes to the stomach and goes to the lungs. And yes, as you are talking and eating, it keeps closing and opening. And we are eating, and it finds a way to the right place. Many of us talk and eat yeah. every time. Yet we, Hallelujah. it doesn't get into our lungs Hallelujah. and choke us to death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then, then you are saying you are what? You are what? What exactly are you? <laughs> what exactly? You know what exactly are you? You know. So we need when and when we understand that, and it's real to us to the point that you. Things the world will say you bought for yourself, you actually know this God that provided it for you. 
Hallelujah. It is effortless to ascribe your self-made your, or your, your successes. It's effortless because it is the truth. So the benefit of it is that God stands to gain in the sense that his reputation is on the line. Your provision is his reputation. Your care is his reputation. Your promotion is his reputation. Your well-being is his reputation. Guess what? The The converse is also the case. For those that don't know and don't acknowledge him, Hmm. Worms will hmm. heat them up. Hmm. The, same way, hmm. the same way on the grand scale, we saw how worm ate up Herod. Girl, Herod. People on their worms are eating up people's resources, eating up their life, eating up their health, eating up their relationships, eating up things because of glory theft. Hmm. Just because of glory theft. Hmm. So, which is why when you see there are different dimensions, when God says, bring all the tithe, he's saying you are acknowledging that you are my source. You yeah. otherwise you say that, well, when you do, I will rebuke the devourers. And I will, by default, they are devourers. Waiting. Waiting. But when you do, so it's all a glory game. Permit me to use the word game. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a glory game. Remember, yeah. I said, my number one check, checklist, really, in that decision making, is what? Yeah. Is that um, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? Yeah. I hope that helps. Yes, for sure. I'm just going to sneak in one question because I haven't seen a question from, from yet from the group. So my question, again, this is about you, contextual. Um, was there a difference? Let me reframe this question. The context of this question is God wants you to be successful even more than you want you to, you to be successful. That's the truth. If we look at the story of everybody that God spoke to in the Bible, any relationship that God, wherever it is that they thought they wanted to get to, God wanted them to get better. So we've established that about, about God. Have you, and I know that the kind of person you are, like you remember when you talked about the horse and mule, and you are naturally um, um, very positive, you dream big, you are fearless, all that. Thank you. Did did you learn that in Christ? (laughs) It's true. You're welcome. Did you learn that in Christ or were those natural attributes? I know that when you were explaining, you talked about it being natural. But when you came to Christ, did, did you become more that way or your expectation? I don't know how to ask the question again. Let me just stop that way. Did, did, did you find it in Christ? Or this is a mixture of personality plus seeing yourself through the eyes of Christ. The reason I'm saying that is for a lot of us, for a lot of us, the problem we have is that we have not seen ourselves how God is seeing us. And we say it and we hear this all the time, but it is so true. Okay, let me, let me just, so Papi, did you become like this 
in Christ or were you always like this or did you become more like this in Christ? Okay, so <clears throat> the natural bent was there, obviously, and we, we, we don't have anything except it is given to us from above. So obviously that is also from God and in Christ. You know, however, when I came into God and came into Christ, and the more of him I see, the more of, oh, that's how my father is. Oh, that's my, how my father is. My father is fearless. He doesn't fear anybody. My father is, to say is courageous is an understatement because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know, my father, like you said, to even say dreams big is he is big. He is big. He is the big. Big, big, big is him. Big, big is, is him. You know, he doesn't. To dream big means you are coming from a place of of smallness. So yeah. you know, you are now seeing bigger. You know, he is the biggest. So so to to in him, you are now seeing. In my case, that. This God is actually limitless. So he actually makes my big dreams look like child's play. Really? So, yes. You know, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> it does. It, it, it definitely does. Because um, I wanted to see it from your eyes. Um, because I admire that about you. But I also wanted us, the question was for us to learn because I believe everything about God is by patterns. So if you see a pattern, it's like showing a, a dress. If there's a pattern, you should be able to replicate it and, and learn it as well. You oh. know, so what I'm learning and I hope we're all learning is even for people that are naturally bent that way, it can get better and deeper. But even if you are not that way, you can come into God and start changing the way you think because it, it starts from the thinking first our, our minds must be expanded before we, we are lifted if we don't see we're praying for lifting now and god has lifted us with in gathering breaking Amen. barriers we have to see the barrier broken first in our mind before it gets broken god wants to do it but we have to remove ourselves as as the limitation so um thank you so much um, for that puppy. There are no questions, so we'll go into to take our offerings and our, our tithes. I'm tempted to ask one more question, but for time. Ask it. I, I'll ask it. <laughs> so I, I wanted to, to ask, it, it, along the lines of um, morphing when we come into God and, and stuff like that, are there people around us, you don't need to mention names, people around us that you've seen transform, that you've seen start acting that way. And the reason why I'm asking this question is deliberate. Because if I can see that someone around me is doing something, it's easier for me to be able to believe I, I can do that, right? Is there someone that has, so that it's two questions in, two questions in one. Are there people that came that when you met them used to think small and are now are thinking big? It could be someone that is public or whatever so that our minds can be expanded. And the converse also, are there people that before they were believers, 
they used to think bigger than what they think now because some people are like that unfortunately unfortunately um, i like that yeah so let me start with that so i mean i've i mean i've had friends christian friends that you know solid guys you know come to christ you know because of wrong doctrine you know believe they have to cut their lives down cut their thinking down this world is not my own you know i have no i, I kid you not I have a friend that when I ask him, oh, how are you doing? And how is a family? He always says, oh, Jesus is breaking us. Oh, Jesus is, you know, is, you know, we are being broken. I'm preparing my children for rapture, you know. <laughs> I know that stuff. <laughs> I mean, as, as, as good as that is, you know, and indispensable as that is, but it is as pious as it sounds. It shrinks his world to there is nothing in this earth for us. You know, we just want to get ready for the rapture. I said to him that once you are in Christ, you are ready for rapture. It, that is what you don't understand. You actually are. Because <clears throat> if you die now, is your rapture come early? And what will, what will, <laughs> what will determine your eternity is not whether you have prayed for 10 hours or whether you have, no, that's not what we tell, or whether, or whether you have gotten rid of this or gotten rid of that, what will determine your eternity is your relationship with Jesus, period, period. So for eternity, it is secured, you know? It is your usefulness on earth. That's why they left you here. They didn't mm. leave you here so that you can get more saved and be worthy of heaven. He paid the price already. You are complete in him, who is the head of all principalities and powers. So yes, we have people that shrink their worldview once they come to God and honestly believing that that is what they need to do to stay on this straight and narrow. I'll be at a... <laughs> stay on this straight and narrow. While it is straight and, and narrow, in the in, in fact, as far as the lifestyle and and, and 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 all that's concerned, it is not straight and narrow as far as your thinking is concerned. No, it is not. Um, yes, have I seen people that came into God and were totally transformed? You know, I mean, of course, I mean, definitely. The people in God's favorite house. I mean, I've seen people, I know people's stories that, you know, when we first met them, they were, you know, in one little corner thinking small, you know, but right now they are doing big things. They are thinking big, you know, and all Hallelujah. that stuff. You know, and um, and I don't know if you want me to give examples, JFH, you know, and outside of JFH also, you know, I know people in, in God's favorite house, you are number one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> you were one little girl that will stay in one corner, you know, just your world view was very small, you know, and all that. But look at you today, you know, I mean, you know, you're still getting bigger, you know, but you are kilometers away from 
you know, when we first met, you know, I used to drag you to come to church. I used to send bus to <laughs> carry you, you know, I say you must carry her, you know, and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> so, but hey, I don't need to do any of that today, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I actually remember since the, the legs of the table are broken, you might as well break all the legs, there's no need. I actually remember one time um, when I came to you, I'd just gotten a promotion and the pro promotion came with a car. Well, it came with a big car and I remember saying to you, I can't drive it. And you said, why? I, I said, I can't. And I wasn't, I wasn't pretending. I honestly was. Of course. I, I'm like, I, I can't. It's, it's going to open me up to I, I can't, you know, and for, for a lot of us, and I wasn't trying to be humble, and some of us think that we're trying to be, I wasn't even trying to be humble, but some of us try to be humble that way. That's not God. God wants you to be the best you can possibly be, yet giving him the glory while you are the best you can possibly be. God doesn't want you to be small because if you, if you are not the best you can be and best doesn't necessarily, I'm not talking wealth, even though wealth is a byproduct. I'm just talking about in my head. I have to be the best I can get to. Otherwise people will look at me and say, this is the best you can do as a believer. Why then be a believer? You have to, I'm there's telling no you, there's no your life. There's no glory in small. There's Your no glory. Life must, people must be able to. Yes, sir. There's no glory in small. I hear you, sir. You're right. You're absolutely go correct. On, go and on. that's the best way to summarize it. No, that's the best way. Papi, you've summarized it well. There is no glory in small. It doesn't mean that we become glory seekers ourselves. It doesn't mean that we become um, attention seekers. No. You can be quiet in one corner but being the best you can. And the reason why I keep on harping on this is sometimes when people read the scripture, they think the scripture we started reading, they think, oh, if I don't think, they may think if I don't think big, because this thing was talking about them, people going global and selling global. If I don't think big, am I being God's will? No, 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 no. That's not what makes you being God's will. They might think that, oh, maybe it's about visioning, it's about, it's about talking about the future. No, God wants you to do that. It just comes from where the glory goes to and how you yeah. plan with God. And on that note, I'm just going to ask you, Papi, to help us. Okay, again, amazing session. Well done, um, Pastor Ibani. God bless you. Thank you, sir. In Jesus' name. Um, thank you everybody for joining us today for Thrive and I'm sure you've been um, blessed out of your socks, you know. Um, like I said, let's um, go back to this word and listen to it again and again and again and God will bless you in Jesus' name. Okay, so Father, we thank you. As we go, we ask that your presence will go with us in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious Amen. unto you. The Lord Amen. lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is, I shall be. In Jesus' Amen. mighty name, we have prayed.
Amen. Okay, God's prophet house. This is a year of lifting. Yeah. You know, I'll be it. We have just about one month to go, but this is still a year of lifting. And we are lifted all, all the way. All the way on thank you for listening to this i want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends god bless you oh.